Whether it's a new year, a new moon, or just a new day, think about the resolutions that you've actually kept. After taking a short break with some major storms, losing electricity, and planning out for 2022, I have decided to share an important decision in my journey. This may not be a decision for everyone, but I'll tell you why it was the right decision for me. I'm your host, Ella, and on this episode of For Better Self and Net Worth, I share a piece of myself that was requested by a listener, and by sharing this, I hope it inspires you to set your own intention of how you want to better your life. You are tuning in to For Better Self and Net Worth podcast. This is a podcast where I encourage you to live the life of your dreams by adopting the right mindset, navigating through tough challenges, and respecting your bank account. I interview entrepreneurs and empire builders from across the globe as they share how they have come to live the lives of their dreams and the challenges they had to break through. I also have a few solo episodes where I talk about the lessons learned and navigating in a world full of naysayers, negative mindsets, and money grabbers. I personally believe that attitude is everything, and with the right attitude, you can get the life that you dream of. I'm so glad you're on this journey with me. If you're listening, make sure you have hit the subscribe button and on Apple, give me some love by leaving a review. Most of all, I hope every episode you hear on here leaves you inspired and on fire to live your best life without breaking the bank. Greetings, greetings to all my favorite people, and that is all of you that are listening to For Better Self and Net Worth. As I record this, we are about 10 days away from the year 2022. That kind of hurts as I say it out loud. And this, while this is not a holiday-themed episode, I do want to take the opportunity to wish all of you the best in the next few weeks and whatever intentions that you set for the year 2022. I also want to let you guys know that this is the last episode I'm recording in the year 2021. I'm already lining up guests for next year, and I can't wait to bring you bigger, better, all even more inspiration for the upcoming year. I also want to take a moment to show you guys so much gratitude for listening. It was brought to my attention this week through the Anchor app that I have over 5,100 listeners, and that just really blows my mind. I personally don't know 5,100 people. I have maybe 1,300 friends on Facebook, and I don't even know everyone that's on my Facebook page. I probably met them once or twice. But it just blows my mind, and I just love that you guys are listening with me, that you guys are enjoying the show. If you have any ideas that you want to bring to my attention, if you're building your own empire, want to be on the show, or just want to run something by me, I'm going to remind you, my email is ellaconomic at gmail.com. It's E-L-L-A-C-O-N-O-M-I-C at gmail.com. This episode actually did come from the idea from a listener. And what they said to me was that they had noticed that I've talked quite a bit on the show about how I used to drink and how I had to set boundaries when I decided to cut way, way back on drinking. And they wanted to hear a little more about me nixing the booze in my life. So first, I'm going to be very, very clear with you guys. I did not give up drinking altogether. So if you see me out and I'm having a cocktail, mind your business, because it doesn't mean that I completely quit cold turkey, quit drinking. 
what it does mean is that I'm more intentional about setting limits and I like to remain sober. So very, very rarely am I going to have more than one or even two drinks and in just one sitting or at a certain event. Usually I get accused of babysitting my drink. There's a reason for that. I just choose to stay sober, stay safe. Tom Brady is the same way. Guys, he he barely drinks, but when he does, he knows his limit as well. And, and just know when I talk about this, the benefits I've seen from staying sober, it's not me being holier than thou and preaching to you guys about drinking. It's just me telling you why my life is better since I've cut way, way back on the booze. So whether you're intending for a sober January, if you're going to cut back on drinking, or if you're setting another intention, I call this an intention because I really don't like the word resolution. I think the word resolution just has too much pressure around it. But if you're setting certain intentions, I'm going to let you know the intention could be journaling. It could be eating a diet of more vegetables, budgeting more for traveling, investing more money, working out more. But whatever your intention is, you're going to have to be ready to set boundaries around those intentions in order for you to be successful in it. And this leads me to talk about what I chose to be the book of the week. And the book of the week I'm going to talk about is a book called Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free. It's by Nancy Levin. You can find it on Audible. You can find it on Amazon. Just type in Setting Boundaries Will Set You Free. It should pop up. And she talks about personal experiences in her own life and drastic experiences in others' lives where she regrets not setting boundaries. And she could have avoided a lot of really drastic situations by setting boundaries. She also makes it clear that the situations that she's talking about do not compare to situations of abuse, discrimination, or any real intentional malice or violence against you. That's a totally different thing. But what she does say is a harsh truth that if your boundaries are violated, everyday boundaries are violated, it's because you did not set them. So she wants to empower you by setting those boundaries. That's going to help you avoid burnout and feelings of resentment. One example that I'll kind of cover when it comes to setting boundaries is, let's say you've got a friend that constantly throws shade at you and plays like they're joking. Like they make a little joke about how you're not drinking, or they make a joke that you're a stripper because you do a pole dancing workout, something like that. Or they're, you know, just making fun of you in a way and just say, well, I'm just joking. You know, I love you, blah, blah, blah. Well, somebody throwing shade at you, that's what they're doing. They're just throwing shade. And they're saying that they're joking when really is that they're actually a hater. They're not going to say that they're a hater and that they're throwing shade because there's something about you that makes them uncomfortable with themselves. They may not even know themselves that well, but- they're going to say something hurtful when they're quote unquote, just joking. That's a situation where you just need to let them know that they're hurting you. And you can do that calmly. You can say, look, I really don't appreciate that. That's all you need to say. You don't need to storm off and say, F you hater. I hate you. You don't have to do that. Just say, look, I don't know what your intention is when making that joke, but it's really hurtful. And if they're not listening to you, you need to send it through a text message or an email. Let them know why it's hurtful, especially if they're doing this in front of other people. That's just an example of what I want to give you guys because that's something that I've been through myself. Another example could be 
let's say you are volunteering or you're at work and you're given an assignment that you weren't aware of, you're being voluntold to do something, you have to stay after, and you had other plans. You wanted to go to a hockey game or you wanted to go out and meet with one of your friends after work, but you're told that you need to stay in. Well, again, say, look, I already had plans that day. Instead of feeling defeated by it or feeling like you have to do something or that you're being voluntold, that you're just being forced into something you really don't want to do or you know, something that could have been delegated to somebody else, it's okay to say, no, it does not make you a bad employee, a bad friend. This is just empowering you to let yourself say no so you can say yes to yourself and the things that you really want that more align with your goals. So now that I'm talking about boundaries and I talk about why I'm giving up drinking, you can probably guess that my boundaries came in. I'm really having to learn how to set those boundaries when I decided to pull away from drinking. I once got teased when I was drinking, got teased for being a lightweight or something that I said or something that splurred my speech after drinking. But even now that I don't drink, I... I, sometimes I get teased for it or I've had people blatantly ask me if I was pregnant when I wouldn't drink, which is kind of a rude question to begin with. And also, hello, personal decisions, personal matters. But if I show up to a party drinking LaCroix and somebody tries to pour me a drink or just hands it to me without me asking for it, it puts me in an awkward situation. Say, hey, I'd rather not. Can somebody else have this? Or if I have to say I'm not drinking, I remember just feeling really awkward saying that. Somebody asked me what I'm going to drink if I asked for a LaCroix even. They're like, oh, you're just drinking LaCroix. I felt really awkward saying that, but it's just super important to be clear about it. Say, no, I want to stay sober. I'm driving. I would much rather stay hydrated. Even for me, I say, hey, I'm feeling dehydrated, which isn't a lie since I do a lot of cardio. I work out a lot. And again, I'm just, it's in my family to have like high insulin levels and be an insulin resistant that makes me extremely thirsty all the time. Speaking all the time always makes me thirsty. So it's not a lie if I'm saying, hey, no, I just prefer to stay hydrated. I'm going to drink water instead. But anyways, any kind of no that you say should be accepted. If they're continuing to push you, that's when you say, look, I don't appreciate you. You can push me to drink. I would rather not. You need to learn to accept the word no. I found myself doing that a lot as I began my sobriety journey. I once celebrated my birthday one year and a couple of people were going out with us. We went to dinner and then we checked out a couple of the bars. I had a drink and I just wasn't, wasn't feeling it after that. Like I went to Thompson Station, had a really cool view and then the bars were closing. It was actually around 12 o'clock when the bars were closing and there were a couple bars in Midtown that were open. My friends wanted to go to Midtown. I didn't want to go. So what I did was I paid for their Uber and then took the Uber home after we dropped them off the bar. On the way in the Uber, one of my friends drunkenly made a joke that I might as well have a halo sticking out of my ass. Whatever that means, my halo should be sticking out of my ass. And I just looked at her and said, okay, just because I don't drink does not mean I think I'm better than you. And I'm sorry you feel that way. She's like, I'm just saying, we just were wanting to have fun. I said, I had my fun. I want to get some rest. You should be able to accept that. And we had a conversation after it of why that wasn't okay, why it wasn't okay for her to make fun of me and call me a goody two-shoes just because I didn't want to drink. And really, it's just 
I'm not judging her for drinking. She shouldn't judge me for not drinking. So it was just really empowering to have that boundaries conversation with her afterwards. And now we're still friends after having that conversation. Let's see. So in my early 30s is when I realized that drinking, clubbing, crowds, the stuff that I tried to fit into just did not fit into my vision, did not fit into what I really wanted. The things that I want to do with my life, writing books, getting my getting a further education, getting a master's degree, buying a house, all the things that I really want in my life. Drinking doesn't really align with those goals. If I went out drinking tonight instead of staying home and recording my podcast, well, that would be one less podcast episode. Or let's say I have some friends that went out and still party during the pandemic. If I decided to still go out, I could have caught COVID by now. I've been able to avoid COVID since this whole pandemic started. I've never tested positive for it. That's because I've made the responsible decision to, well, what I believe is a responsible decision. I'm not telling other people what to do, but I decided to social distance and to avoid the crowds. And the pandemic has not been a good excuse for that. But anyways, the point I'm making is I'm making better decisions in my 30s that basically fit into my health goals. When I first decided to cut back on drinking, this was after a rude awakening that I actually gained a lot of weight and that my size 8 jeans were fitting a little tighter when I used to be a size 4. I gained all this weight. So the first thing I have to cut is sugar and alcohol. So I figure I quit drinking to lose that weight. And when that was the ultimate goal, that's when I learned that there were other benefits to giving up alcohol. And right after the break, I'm going to tell you what those benefits are. The first benefit that I have noticed in my sober journey is overall just living more intentional and in the present. And this may seem obvious, but I just really cherish remembering the conversations I have and just feeling like the connections I make where alcohol is not around. I feel like those connections are stronger. I remember very little details about the people that I meet when I'm out socializing without alcohol. And I'm just more clear headed overall in each situation that I am. So I have a better judge of character. The reason that putting away the alcohol has brought things more into the light, if just basically more things to the light is I know who I really am. I used to drink a little bit to take the edge off of my social anxiety and felt more comfortable in my skin after drinking. Well, now I'm just more comfortable in my skin as I am. And it doesn't require me having any kind of substance and especially not alcohol. It doesn't even require caffeine. If I'm tired, I'm just going to say I'm tired. I'm getting ready to have this conversation while I'm tired and I haven't had coffee yet. I'm just more honest, just more authentic than I was when I used to drink. In my earlier 20s, dating back to college, I do remember I made a lot of friends and got to know people by going out to parties. That was how I built a social circle in college. I mean, who doesn't go through that wild phase in college anyway? We would jam out to everything from OAR to Little John or Belt Out Kenny Chesney from time to time because he went to the same college as me. And I just remember feeling bonded to people that either had classes with or they were in different fraternities or sororities than I was or somebody that I just knew in passing. And I just felt like drinking with them really bonded me to them. Now, I usually didn't know anything much more to them than partying with them or what their major was, but 
I did. That was just my way of feeling connected. And I kind of took those subconscious beliefs that going out and drinking was a way to get to know people. I took that subconscious belief into my 20s, my later 20s, when I moved to Nashville. And without a beat, I found myself going out almost every weekend with my friends. We'd get dressed up, put on the makeup, and just take on the city. We'd explore a new place and maybe we'd meet somebody. We'd meet a guy or something. But I'm just going to say, like, you know, you really don't, the people that you meet out in bars, you really don't connect with them because one, it's too dang loud in the bar. So you really don't get a chance to have an actual conversation. You're having to scream at your friends just to talk to them or go to the bathroom. It's crazy. But I'm just going to say like even, or even professional settings, you see alcohol, networking events, you may talk business for a little bit, but once there's too much alcohol involved and everybody starts drinking, Talk about everything else that actually those connections that you try to make can sometimes be disconnections. And this is kind of a spoiler for you guys, but I'm just going to say if you're going out looking for a good time, that's one thing. But if you're looking to meet someone in bars, the bar scene in Nashville, I'm just going to say most guys that you meet are total creeps. They're from out of town. They're just tourists or they might be a UFO. I have heard stories about people meeting guys at bars, meeting nice guys and actually dating, getting married to them. And that's why I'm kind of sticking to my UFO theory because they say a girl that's not hot and not crazy is a unicorn. So I'm going to say that guys that you meet in bars that are actually nice guys with good intentions are UFOs. So if they want to call us crazy. I'm going to call them UFOs. Fair, fair. So a good way to meet people that you really want to make connections with as far as friends go, as far as connections, work connections, or relationships, you're most likely going to meet them when you're volunteering for something. If you're into politics, maybe going to like political organizations, going to campaigns, canvassing, you find something that you're both passionate about, or even a networking event. If you're going to build connections, if you're going to go to somewhere to exchange business cards, you might find that they own their own business. You get to hear what they're passionate about. So something else I'll say that even in professional settings nowadays, as far as networking events, business events, even sales meetings within the company, I'm going to notice that there's there are more open bars and there is more drinking present. Something I do whenever I'm in a professional setting and there's drinking is I make an Irish exit because the events where there's drinking is not necessarily required to be at. I mean, they have the dinner and then they have the meetings or whatnot, but after the meeting is over, I usually make an Irish exit shortly after because they'll do a cocktail hour so people can kind of network and get to know each other. Well, I can do that without drinking. And then I make an Irish exit before all the stories come to surface or when people get past two drinks. There's an episode of How I Met Your Mother, and it started with the phrase, nothing good happens after 2 a.m. For me, nothing happens after 10 p.m. And to be fair, I'm usually in central time and 11 p.m. is eastern time in New York. So yeah, I'm still a little earlier, but that's just a great rule that I live by. And while it's okay to have a drink at a work event, networking event, or while you're with friends, always keep it to my limit, always keep it to two. If I'm not accused of babysitting my drink, I'm probably not doing it right. While I can't recall any point in my life where I was actually addicted to alcohol or never really had to go to Alcoholics Anonymous or really just have any kind of pivotal moment with it, I was in the middle of a conversation with my counselor and this was in 2015. 2015, I had a really shitty year. I had some family emergencies. 
I had been the job that I had for four and a half years. They eliminated my position and they went and outsourced to a different company for that position. Would have been a huge pay cut. So I ended up having to take another job. But anyways, 2015 was a really, really tough year for me. And it got so tough that I actually went to counseling, which I'm so glad I did because there's such a stigma around it. But I took that extra step, went to counseling and really wanted to better my emotional health. And as I sat with my counselor, she pointed out to me that both serious romantic relationships I had in my life were with alcoholic men. And that most of my close friends that were toxic, that had said things to hurt me or done things to hurt me, also seemed to have a drinking problem. And that was kind of a smack in the face that I needed. I said, why am I gravitating to that? Why am I gravitating to alcoholics? And I really can't pinpoint on the show what that was, but knowing that had actually been a good sign for me to challenge myself and to find my life where I'm surrounded by less alcohol. So that was a real pivotal moment of why I wanted to take control of my drinking. I don't think I've ever gotten out of control at a professional event. I may have, you know, felt sick the next day after going out, but when I realized that my life was surrounded by alcohol, that's when I really wanted to take control of things. So from there, I took that as a challenge just to show myself that I can make friends without alcohol. And since then, I've built some amazing friendships just through church, meeting people in my neighborhood, through workout groups, and just networking and putting myself out there where I can. Since I do a podcast where I interview a lot of entrepreneurs, I like to get out there and meet other entrepreneurs who possibly want to be on the show and share their experience, go on yoga retreats, and even um, the Nashville Gals That Brunch. I've made a lot of friends in my brunch club, and that's just bonding over wanting to try new restaurants in the town. So there's just other ways to make connections without alcohol. And that was something really important to show myself. And the connections that I've made since then are connections that have stuck with me. And by not drinking, I've had to really be more intentional and come up with more creative ways to feel more comfortable in my own skin around the conversation and not get super anxious. And something I do is I ask a lot of open-ended questions, unusual questions. I like to ask people what they're binging on Netflix or where they're hoping to travel to in the next year, something very open-ended, but also gives them space to talk about themselves. So the most interesting person in the room is the most interested person in the room. Usually if I'm having a conversation with you, I'm going to ask you about your business, ask you what you're passionate about, your latest development, what you and your partner like to do for fun, what your latest project is. That's what I want to hear about. I want to give you space to talk about yourself and be yourself and to be known for who you are and who you're passionate about, because that's the kind of friend that I want to have. So that's something you'll notice if you ever come across and sit at a bar and have a conversation with me. So then I've explored my city more. And in just like the book, The Power of Now, that was the book a week a few weeks ago, Eckhart Tolle talks about allowing yourself to live in the present, take in each moment, and just look around and be grateful. And that's exactly what I have done more of since I cut back on drinking. I've just been able to, I went to a gathering a couple weeks ago with some friends and there were some cocktails. We had some cocktails, but we all stayed sober and we randomly just got up and started doing the Cupid shuffle in the kitchen. And it was one of the most fun experiences I've had in a while. It was just, it was, you know, my friends and their kids. We played board games. We really got to know each other. Those are the connections that you want in life. Those are the connections, the events that you go to, you really want, don't want to, and I'm going to keep going back to this. You don't want to use alcohol as a crutch. 
And this is going to bring me to another major point that I found when I stopped drinking. I was at a retreat in October and I got a chance to talk to my mentor. Her name is Kelsey Aida. She's a co-host for the High Vibing It podcast. And we were talking about just our journey to sobriety. And one of the reasons she doesn't like to drink is because she's very intentional about feeling her feelings as they are. And that kind of ties in with living in the present. And she notices a lot of people use alcohol as a crutch. So whether you're feeling anxious, sad, overwhelmed, even happy, you need to give your space feelings to feel, you need to give your space, do a meditation and really know what you're feeling and be able to sit with those emotions. So we also just allow yourself to have those feelings. We're taught that we're not supposed to be anxious. We're not supposed to be sad. We're taught to cover it up. Hey, there's terms like never let them see you cry or keep calm or don't let, don't let them see you sweat, just stuff like that. But you've got to really be honest with yourself, know how you're really feeling recently. Just for example, I've had to let myself feel the weight of grief as both of my cats have passed away. One of my cats passed away about a year ago today. The other cat passed away right before Thanksgiving. And I found out while I was on a business trip that this happened and it's just, I didn't get to say goodbye to my second cat and you know, coming home and I know they're gone consciously. I know they're gone, but coming home and not seeing them greet me at the door, not having Sassy do the seal when I'm coming home from a trip and just seeing them. That was just a way that I felt at home was when I was with these cats and not seeing them. It still hasn't fully hit me yet. So I've had to kind of sit there, meditate on them and let myself feel those feelings of sadness. And before I can have the feelings of acceptance that my cats are no longer with me, I have to really let myself feel the feelings of sadness, depression, and just let myself be in that reality. So any feelings that you have, allow yourself to feel them. Many people get addicted to alcohol because they let alcohol cover up the feelings they've had. Some terms for alcohol include liquid courage, comfort in a cup, or even, you know, your stress elixir. They say, or potions. I've heard people refer to alcohol as potions as if we're in Harry Potter and Professor Snape helps you make those. It's just not that way. So don't look at alcohol as something comforting. Don't look at drinking as therapeutic. Let yourself find real therapy, whether that's just meditating and sitting with your emotions and journaling it, or actually going to therapy. Let yourself come to reality of what your emotions are, and you're less likely going to have a problem with drinking or alcohol. And really just give yourself grace for whatever those emotions could be. If I was still drinking on a regular basis, I probably wouldn't have my meditation practice. I wouldn't find that overall happiness. I wouldn't journal as much. And I probably wouldn't have come up with this vision of having a podcast and having a lot of listeners and being able to inspire people, be a motivational speaker and you know, sit with my computer and start writing and start coming up with ideas, meeting all these amazing people who are building their own empires, getting to interview from them, getting to learn from them. If I was still going out and drinking on a regular basis, I'd probably would not be doing all these amazing things that I've been doing with my life or going on retreats and just all the things that I've done. But my point in saying all this is I've noticed that overall, I am much happier when I'm not drinking, I'm even happier, even though I'm spending more time by myself, 
I enjoy my own company. So I'm okay spending time by myself. I'm okay sitting by myself journaling or watching Netflix. But the people that I do hang out with, they accept me for who I am. They love that I'm on a health journey. They love that I do a podcast. They love that I have different hobbies than what they have. And we're also talking about ways that we're building ourselves up, ways that we're expanding our careers, ways that we are, the the different projects that we have going on, what we like to cook. We're talking about creating. And those conversations are more empowering and energizing. So again, whatever it was that I was finding in alcohol, I don't want to find it again. I like the life that I live now much better. So that's the other point I want to make. The third benefit, which you could probably guess, is having a better health. And reason I say that, maybe I'm not I'm not at a size four again. I'm still at like a sixes and eights. So, you know, it's not necessarily about losing weight, but as far as health goes, I am one of those crazy women that gets eight hours of sleep every night. And yes, I count it. I wear a Samsung smartwatch when I'm sleeping at night and I measure how much sleep I'm getting. I also have the Sleep Score Labs app that measures the amount of sleep I get. I want to get at least 30 minutes of deep sleep and then an hour and a half of REM, just putting lavender oil on my pillow and just being intentional about that. That is so important. They say sleep is just as important as diet and exercise. So I'm a third of the way there. I'm also intentional about drinking a lot of water. I drink all the water until my pee is clear. Since I'm not drinking cocktails and drinking water instead, that's just another way to stay hydrated. I'm also working on giving up my other advice, caffeine. Wish me the best of luck in that. And again, I'm not going to give up caffeine altogether, but I definitely want more of what I drink, the most of what I drink, 95% of what I drink to be water because water is what I'm meant to drink. And I listen to my body more. I know when I wake up in the morning, I know if I need to get up, walk and do cardio, if I need to go to Planet Fitness, or if I need to stretch my body and do yoga. I know what what ways I need to move my body. Or if I want to turn on Alexa and start dancing in my kitchen, I do that. Don't judge me. But that's something that I need to do. That's how I get moving. And that's just how I start my day. It's a very empowering to start my day. I also make sure that I'm craving. I find myself craving more fruits and veggies and lean proteins. I crave the healthy stuff. I crave avocados on a daily basis because my body needs something in those avocados. I crave nuts and seeds, stuff that's highly nutritious. I have less cravings for sugar. Alcohol, by the way, is pure sugar. So if you're on a low carb diet, if you're doing paleo, or if you're really, really intentional about your health, you have to know that what you're drinking, even if it's a low carb white claw, it is pure sugar. And sugar has, sugar is just extremely problematic. It's something that's in everything. It's hidden in all our foods. I'm not saying I'm not going to eat sugar ever again. I love my sweets as much as anything, but sugar has been proven to be more addictive than heroin, believe it or not. And it's a vice that we all subscribe to, but alcohol is pure sugar. But what I'm saying is since I don't drink as much, I'm putting less sugar in my body. So I'm having more energy overall. I'm not having, you know, the sudden spike and then crash. I don't have that anymore since I cut back on sugar and cut back on alcohol. My doctor also told me, just a little side note, that if you do find yourself consuming a lot of sugar or alcohol, always eat a protein when it's happening. So if you're out having, if you're going to a wine and cheese party, if you're at an event, make sure you hit up the charcuterie board and get some of that protein if you're taking in drinks. Just a little tip that I've learned. But since not drinking just helps me sleep better, I'm using exercise as a form of stress management instead, or as a way to build up my energy to get me lit. I get lit as I'm doing my dance classes and I'm finding more activities that are exercise related. Um, 
I took up skiing last year and I do rock climbing as a form of fun instead. Or I just like to walk around and go shopping, find a way to do cardio. So that's just another thing. I've replaced good with the bad. I've replaced exercise and sleep with drinking. Something else I wanted to bring in with this episode, it's not necessarily a benefit from giving up alcohol, but just an observation overall. I noticed there are more conversations that I'm having around sobriety and why we choose sobriety over drinking. And while we live in a society where a lot of people, a lot of fun around people generally does involve alcohol, it's the rise of alcoholism is being discussed more. And we're, we're starting to see that it's not healthy to build a life around alcohol. So within women during the pandemic, this is after 2020, which it's 90% of the listeners are women. There was a study done by Harvard health that showed during 2020, there was a 41% increase in heavy drinking, not just drinking, not just having a cocktail every now and then, but people using drinking as a form of stress management or as a form of covering up their depression. So you're seeing a spike in drinking during a global crisis. And sometimes people make jokes about it. They're like, yeah, I'm just going to cover that up with alcohol or man, I really need a drink. No, you really don't need a drink for that stress management. There's other ways to manage your stress that don't involve drinking. Now there's nothing wrong with having a drink, but that should not be the reason for having that drink should not be to cover up that stress management or to deal with your emotions. You really just need to deal with your emotions and kind of process what's going on as I made with my second point. Something else I wanted to bring up is Good Morning America ran a segment in 2020 just before the pandemic that alcoholism is on the way, if it isn't there already, to beat heart disease in the number one killer of women. That was a shocking revelation because heart disease is often talked about. Alcoholism really isn't talked about as much in the mainstream media, or at least I'm not seeing it. And I also love, and this is a spoiler alert, so if you're watching and just like that, the spinoff of Sex and the City, you might want to fast forward a little bit, a couple minutes, fast forward about two minutes, because I'm going to talk about Sex and the City. And what I love about this is we're seeing that Miranda has a drinking problem. She's in her 50s and she's having a drinking problem. We see it first when she brings wine to Lily's piano recital. It's kind of put off as like a ha-ha, Miranda needs to drink wine when she watches a piano recital. And then she's sharing it with everybody else. And then on the third episode, we find Charlotte actually finds empty Tito's bottles, a ton of empty Tito's bottles in Miranda's book bag. And she goes to Carrie being concerned that Miranda may have a problem. Carrie's kind of blowing it off like, oh, you know, everybody drinks. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. But what it's alluding to, and right now as I record this, we're on episode three, what it's alluding to is that Miranda's drinking problem may be a lot bigger than what it's being accounted for. So I can't wait to see what comes of that and what conversation and underlying theme comes from Miranda's drinking problem. Now, something else that's important to talk about is Miranda is obviously a functioning alcoholic because she was, you know, she's watching over her family. She's showing up for her family. She has a strong career. She's got loyal friends. She's even back in school. So maybe the drinking is to cover up the stress that she's going through. Either way, I love that it's being talked about. And it's also important to know that people can be functioning alcoholics. So if you think you have a problem with drinking, even though you're still getting other things done, that doesn't mean you shouldn't try to tackle on the issue with drinking. And that's not being very 
being preachy. That's just me bringing into the light that alcoholism may be a greater problem than what a lot of people in society and the mainstream media want you to think because alcoholism is also highly profitable. Alcohol is one of the top three things. Alcohol, firearms, and makeup are three things that are actually shown to be recession-proof. So there's a reason that alcohol is being promoted, and it's not exactly for your well-being. And just revisiting the fact that relationships with alcohol is becoming a more popular discussion and why you should kind of look at the relationship you have with alcohol. And we're seeing now that more and more people have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol, but just looking at that, I want to use this show and use my observations as not a platform to tell you what you should be and should not be doing. But since this podcast is called For Better Self and Net Worth, I want to empower you to make better decisions with your life, whether it's something as little as drinking more water, or if you're like me, I use the money that I used to spend on booze on a weekly basis. I use that money to invest into the stock market and buy Bitcoin. Now, Investing into the stock market and buying Bitcoin may come with some risk to it. I may lose money, but I could have wasted that money on alcohol. That's the way that I see it. But whatever your intentions may be, maybe it be investing more, saving more money that could be, you know, traveling more, whatever those intentions are, you're going to have to set more boundaries around them. If you're starting a blog, for example, one of my favorite video bloggers, Aaron Dowdy, he talks about how he has to turn down a lot of invitations of going out. He lives in Las Vegas. So of course there's a lot to do there. He has to turn down those invitations to make videos. He's a million dollar YouTuber. If you haven't checked out his videos, his name is Aaron Dowdy, but he talks about that a lot about setting those boundaries. When you want to better your life, you're going to have to set boundaries. And this is just an example of how to set those boundaries. And apparently a lot of people are wondering why I cut back on drinking. And I'm glad that I've had the platform and had this week to kind of explain why. And something else I just want to leave you guys with is there are some famous people people that you may have heard of, this was pulled from US Magazine, that are also non-drinkers. And I'm just going to kind of go through the list here. The first person I found was Adele, the amazing Adele, the most talented singer out there, I will argue. Drew Barrymore, she's had some recent struggles with drugs and alcohol. She is sober. Lena Dunham, she is a writer and an actress. She actually wrote this series called Girls when she was in her mid-20s. It was an HBO hit. She wrote, produced, and acted in that show. Jason Biggs, he's the guy who I believe got famous because he humped an apple pie in the movie American Pie. That was one thing I remember him about, but he's he's a fantastic actor. He was also in Orange is the New Black. Stacy Dash, as if, for those of you who get the reference, she was playing with Cher's last name. So Cher and Dion. She was playing Dion in Clueless. Amazing actress. Tim McGraw, he's also sober. Who doesn't love his music? He's also the father in the movie The Blind Side, my favorite movie. Kit Harrington, apparently Jon Snow does know how to better his health. We've got The Weeknd. He admitted that drugs and alcohol were once a crunch for him, but not anymore. He lives his life sober. 
Jamie Lee Curtis has been sober for over 22 years. That's pretty much most of the Halloween franchise. Jack and Kelly Osborne, they had quite the start of an unhealthy relationship with drugs and alcohol because they started as teenagers. You saw this on the TV show, The Osbournes. But since then, they've cleaned up. Macklemore, Chrissy Teigen had recently announced that she quit drinking because at some point in 2020, she had, as she put it, made an ass out of herself. And she's still new to the sober game and she doesn't know how long she's going to stay sober. But she's recently announced that she stayed sober for 51 days and that she's learned a lot about herself and the many mistakes that were thrown back at her since she had stopped drinking. Hannibal Lecter himself, Anthony Hopkins, does not drink. Miley Cyrus has said to be sober since June of 2020. Cheryl Burke from Dancing with the Stars doesn't drink. You've got some classic talents. Great actors and actresses, Heather Locklear, Tim Allen, Jessica Simpson, who I loved. She's a singer turned actress, and now she's a designer. She stopped drinking altogether in 2017. Brad Pitt, Harry Potter himself, the hottie total lottie, Daniel Radcliffe since 2016. That's around the same time I quit drinking. He no longer drinks either. I feel like I have superpowers just by saying that. Kim Kardashian is also known not to drink. So if you are like me and you want to limit the partying and drinking, you're definitely not alone. I want to conclude this episode by once again, thanking you guys for listening and tuning in. I hope if you're listening to this soon after it's being recorded, I hope you have a wonderful holiday season, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. I hope it's amazing. I also want to wish you the best new year, whatever intentions that you may be setting and just letting you guys know that this will be the final episode of 2021. It's kind of funny that I'm recording an episode about quitting drinking around the holidays. It sounds counterintuitive, but but, you know, it's my life and this is what I wanted to share with you guys. And just, I just really appreciate you guys taking the time listening and just tuning into the show, just your loyalty. If you're by chance looking for a gift to get me, I wear a size five-star review on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon podcast. So thank you guys again. Have a wonderful time and have an amazing week. Also, just stay tuned because I've got some amazing things coming up for the next year. Thanks again. Hi, it's Ella, the host of For Better Self and Net Worth podcast. I wanted to first of all, thank you for listening and supporting an independent podcast. I'm an aspiring motivational speaker and marketer who wanted to give a platform to other risk takers, empire builders, and out of the box lifers in the world. By listening, you are showing support for everyday folks like you and myself pursuing the lives they've always wanted by ditching societal norms and dedicating time to others. To show more support, feel free to leave a review on iTunes and subscribe on Spotify. You can also find the show on iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcast, and many other independent platforms. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you are feeling inspired.